0: Despite their inconsistency, is the Baltimore Ravens offense on the verge of breaking out? We talk about that and so much more. On next here on this Purple Friday edition of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in here to another edition of Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. I'm your host. Kevin Stricker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you so much as always for being here, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms that includes both over in video form on YouTube and audio wherever you get your podcasts. And today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Price Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to pricepickscom NFL and use code all lowercase LockedOnNFL for a first deposit match. Up to one hundred dollars. We are five day a week Ravens podcast, Monday through Friday. Be sure to subscribe, follow along for the ride. This has been a fun one so far, for the most part, for the Ravens six and two. Here to talk about that, this offense, and a little bit about that Seattle game coming up in Week Nine is former Baltimore Ravens wide receiver, Super Bowl champion Kaisri Ismail and Q. I think it was a little bit of a closer game than some people thought it would be in week eight against the Cardinals. And obviously the mantra is a win is a win. You go 1-0 every week. Baltimore, though, is now 6-2 and and in a four-way tie for the top seed in the AFC Conference.
1: They are, and and deservedly so. I think the way in which offensively, defensively, heck, even obviously special teams with Justin Tucker, but the way this team has been playing uh, might not be like 100% the best, but clear in a way they're one of the top teams in the AFC. And I think
0: part of the reason why Baltimore is there is because of roster construction. We'll talk about that a little bit in the final part of the show, but for the most part, they've done their job and yes, offensively, I think it's been a bit of a struggle for them to find consistency. We've only really seen one complete dominant effort and that was week seven against the lions, but it feels like they're doing stuff, right? It just whether it's play calling or execution, it's a combination of everything for me. They just haven't been able to get it down. Now they go up against a really good Seattle team in week nine. That Defensively, this is much like the Detroit game in week seven. Seattle is really good in terms of what they're doing. They're a top three rush defense, giving up just 3.6 yards per carry. And passing-wise, they're seventh, 5.6 net yards per attempt. So a top 10 unit. Do you feel like, though, with what you've seen, the Ravens' offense can maybe do what they did to Seattle against what they did against the top ten defense in Detroit just a couple of weeks earlier. Well, think
1: about it. I mean, they did face, as you just said, the Detroit Lions and the way they had played their defense and the way they were so stout at the point of attack and uh, their pass defense was was amazing. At the same time, you look at the way they played against other teams that had top defenses and they were able to handle them. Titans were no slouch themselves. Their defensive front was, you know, tremendous. Uh, you think that from those games, you would look at this Ravens ball club and think that, yeah, they're seasoned and they should be prepared for another opportunity to face and and test themselves is the word I'm looking for, to test themselves against a Bobby Wagner led middle linebacker in core that I think you know, he he has not flying around. He has not playing their best. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this is going to be one of those tests where, you know, are you going to run the ball? Are you going to start off the game like you did against Arizona? And, you know, Arizona was hell-bent on, like, you're not going to get a big playoff of us. You're not going to get a big playoff of us. And so they played the style of defense where if you had ran the ball early, I think that, you know, this might have gotten away from them as far as, like, just controlling the game and, boom, you get a win. But I think for this game, what is the strategy Todd Munkin is going to utilize and, and and implement to gain a decisive early advantage over Seattle and then allow them to just close it out in the end? And don't look now,
0: but the Ravens offense, to maybe the surprise of some people, is a top 10 unit both in passing and rushing. Now, I go based off of yards per attempt. Baltimore right now is the ninth best passing offense in the eighth best rushing offense in the league in terms of yards per attempt. So they're, they're doing things right. Again, I just think it goes back to consistency where they'll either start really strong. That first drive Rashad Bateman makes a heck of an effort on that Lamar Jackson throw. They end up getting the touchdown to Mark Andrews, but then it kind of fizzles out the vanillaness of the play calling a little bit. I don't think Todd Munkin took advantage of the boxes he saw early on in the game. It feels like a breakout could be coming, but they have to be able to break out the definition to me right now, Q, would be it has to be a consistent effort for multiple consecutive weeks because you can't just have a game against Detroit and then go right back down to what you had against Arizona and be like, oh, the offense is okay. It has to be consistent, especially when it comes against those top teams. So what have you seen, Q, from this offense that maybe gives you a little of encouragement in terms of what they can do over the long haul as the season goes on?
1: Well, you know, you, you, you reference the fact that uh, Mark Andrews, as much as I thought he was going to have kind of a down year and you know it would be the year of, of likely and Kohler, like phew, he shut up his critics. And and not that I was a critic per se, but he certainly shut me up. Um and 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 rightfully so. Uh he's been playing phenomenal. I think he's been that go-to guy that you've been looking for. I love the fact that Rashad Bateman, you know, he obviously has made his Presence felt in that Arizona game, Uh, had some good plays in in the Detroit game as well. But I think that Arizona game was an important stepping stone, if you will, as far as kind of his speed, his his fluidity, obviously his aggressiveness of going and getting the football. You know, that really, I think, mattered an awful lot. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., you know, there's a lot that has been made as far as, you know, his production. As far as the the numbers, and and is he living up to the hype of it all? I think he is, and I think other teams clearly are like, yo, you ain't going to do this against us. But that, yo, you ain't going to do this against us is drawing also that yellow hanky. So whether it be a holding call, whether it be pass interference, you know, defenses are trying to account for him. What am I trying to say? There's a lot of good, strong football to go around, a lot of talent, that we've been seeing that has been showing up. Um, I think other teams, you know, as much as, you know, the Detroit game uh, was such a dominant, dominant performance. I think teams like in Arizona or teams like the Titans, like they're going to be like, we know who you are. We're going to try to stop you and we're going to raise our game level of play up to yours. And so I think that's what we're seeing. I, I don't think this is a, uh, this is National Football League. You know, it, I think it's more of an anomaly when you see the Detroit-type games, whereas the Arizona-type games, and, and I know what, you know, you and I are saying as far as, like, the consistency of of not taking advantage of some of the plays, That that's, you know, Todd has to be on top of his play calling. But I'm talking about execution-wise, the way in which the team was able to, to get a win. It wasn't a sloppy game by no stretch. It was good football, and I think Buda Baker <laughs> – put put himself on a map with some of the the run-stuffing plays that he had and some of the other open-field tackling plays that he had uh, for the Arizona Cardinals.
0: And I think we have to give Lamar some credit, too, because I think he's masking some of these issues. The Ravens offense, I mean, Lamar's played out of his mind so far this year for the most part, and part of his escapability, his ability to kind of let things happen on the fly, some of the – off script stuff we've seen from him from Mark Andrews while it doesn't work all the time it it has worked a multitude of times and he to me has masked some of the spacing issues the play calling issues the protection issues I think a lot of concern points just come with well in the Lamar Jackson led offense with the weapons you've surrounded him with say Flowers Mark Andrews Odell Rashad Bateman you have the rushing attack with Gus Edwards who looked good on Sunday how is this offense not consistent yet? But I think a point that I've tried to hammer home a lot over the course of the last couple of weeks is if we remember, and we were talking about it early, Q, this team has not had a lot of time together, especially with the injuries they suffered early in the season. You have Ronnie Stanley missed some time, Linderbaum missed some time, Odell missed some time, Rashad Bateman missed some time. Guys are missing games, Justice Hill missed some time. So you're implementing a new system the offense you're kind of trying to work into, all right, we're keeping some of Greg Roman stuff or we're implementing some new wrinkles in it. I'm not, I'm not using it as an excuse. Obviously you have to execute. You have to play calling has to be good, but I'd be remiss if I'd say that it wasn't some sort of a factor in why I think with more playing time, the offense should be able to get better and better with just snaps for guys.
1: Yeah. And and that's where, you know, number one, you're six and two number Two, your linear division. Number three, that guy's getting back, the guys, you know, getting more and more involved as far as their rhythm. And, 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 I mean, Pat Ricard, like, when you look at his play, and, and, and I, I again, Todd Munkin, you know, he's like, look, I got to get my best players on the field and I got to put them in best positions possible to succeed. And we saw that obviously against Detroit with his long pass play, but my point is is that like he's played so well that Charlie Kohler and Isaiah Likely are, are afterthoughts. Um, he's on the field doing the the dirty work, but also being rewarded. You know, I think when you look at this offense, there there's the Lamar Jackson factor, but within that, you know, I, I look at. Mark Andrews and 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 yes, some of the off script plays, but for the most part, like they're featuring him. I then look at you know Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman is is feeling like he's getting back into his groove. I think Zay Flowers from Jump has done extremely well. I think the only hiccup was probably that Pittsburgh game. I don't know if it was uh, a Mike Tomlin psychological warfare type of a thing and saying and hyping him up so much or. You know, maybe because of the fact that he saw him at BC when he was in college, who knows? But we know that it it was a, a scenario where he was able to overcome it and still kind of contribute and do his thing as far as making plays, you know, from that point forward. So I think, again, Nelson Aguilar, Nelson Aguilar continues to, you know, be a, a, a valuable contributor to this offense Um as long as the running game is strong, I'm a little bit concerned. Morgan Moses has, you know, kind of limited amount as far as practice and and all the things. But their offensive line has, has been really solid. So there's a there's a lot of good here. I think. Yes, it is good for us to be picky like Lamar is being picky because Lamar is not being satisfied. I think that's a that's a good sign. To have to show that, look, you know, just because you know you're six and two, there's a there's a lot of football left, and if you want to get to where you feel you're comfortable in getting, which is the Super Bowl, um, you you gotta you gotta you gotta string together strong, dominant performances, and so yeah, now comes the Seattle Seahawks, and this is gonna be a big test.
0: And I think that look, it's okay that they're not a hundred percent peaking right now in fact you don't you don't want to peak right now you want to play your best football in january but we're in november now so you want to start that ramp up you want to start the peak and then by the time the playoffs come around that's when you really should be playing your best football and so in the second segment we'll talk more about the offense preview that ravens and seahawks gave a bit too so be sure to stay tuned a lot to get to on the show but first this episode is brought to you by prize picks and if you're looking for daily fantasy sports look no further than prize picks. Prize picks is the most fun. So many have had winning up to 25 times their money this football season. It's really easy. All you have to do is select two or more players, pick more or less than the projected stats in place your entry and this is really cool because the basketball season here you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league so it's a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players in different sports or leagues so for example maybe you want lebron james and travis kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three corners made plus receptions plus you can play alongside some of prize picks Favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz. You can now find community players under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Picks community each week. So for this game against the Ravens and the Seahawks, maybe you're looking for Lamar Jackson to go for more than his projected touchdown total. Maybe Odell Beckham gets his touchdown to go for more than his projected touchdown total. Picks even offers a really cool reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. In football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second that player is rebooted, and Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So go to prizepickscom slash lockdown NFL and use code lockdown NFL for a first bounce and match up to $100. Again, that's PricePicks.com slash lockdown NFL. And use code lockdown NFL for first bounce and match up to $100. Price Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. We're back. Our second segment, Locked on Ravens with Kadri Ismael. I am Kevin Ostriker. In Q, you mentioned something interesting. I want to ask you about it, especially from your playing days. You mentioned Odell and the flags that he's been drawing, the PIs, the defensive holdings. He's been Tory Smith-esque in, in drawing some of these penalties here. I know he wants to touchdown really badly, but John Harbaugh said it in his post-game media availability where, look, a pass interference penalty is the same thing as a catch because you get the yards. So I know it's it's not exactly the same for the wide receiver. You want to catch that ball, get the yards in there. But was there anything, especially from wide receiver mindset, of drawing penalties getting guys in bad sometimes you just get held or sometimes you just get interfered with and That's the nature of the game but what's kind of the art behind drawing some of these penalties
1: yeah I, I can seriously say that that was one of the things that I loved doing and clearly when we played the Tennessee Titans for example Greg Williams was the defensive coordinator for the Titans, he was known to be extremely aggressive, going to do all-out blitzes, zero blitz, <clears throat> zero coverage, zero blitz, meaning bringing everybody, man across the board. And Trent Dilfer literally looks my way and he was like, okay, I know he's going to me. Sure enough, you know, the ball goes up and I just, I'm running right to the safety and passing an the We get the ball in the one, Patrick Johnson. He goes ahead and he scores. Would I have loved to have caught that ball and and been the hero in that regards as far as the touchdown that I should have had? Absolutely. But also know that if I ain't catching it, it's going to be pass interference. Against the uh, when I played for the Indianapolis Colts against the Baltimore Ravens, Gary uh, 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 Gary Baxter, Gary literally was uh, like he was in good position. I just knew that the way in which he was in position as the ball was in the air, I sold it just enough to go ahead, get the penalty. And we went on and won the game. Everybody was all like, oh, my God, Kyrie does that all the time. Yeah, I do. And it worked. So the fact that it is working, it is good. I think the main thing is just you just got to be aggressive going to the ball. Like there is that art of, hey, I'm going for the ball. But I think for even Odell Beckham, I mean, dude is mega talented as far as his eye hand coordination is arguably one of the best eye hand coordinated catches of the football that we've seen. You know, and I think the one thing for him, though, is that the other guy knows it and the other guy is like, oh, my God, and he's ready to grab him. And so I think that grabbing element of it all, it's, it's just it's a no-brainer. I mean, if I'm if I'm a, a a field judge or or a sideline official or back judge, like I'm sitting there like, yeah, that's Odell Beckham. He normally catches it anyway, and now I got a guy that is draped all over him. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. That's that's how you do it. And so I, I think it's it, it's it's a it's to be commended that Odell has gotten himself in position to to uh at least have that that penalty drawn at worst case scenario so would would you classify
0: those plays as like flops like you're kind of getting in position and then going back or is it more of a strategic placement of yourself Mm -hmm. to get the call because of either a position of an official or just reputation
1: yeah flop to me is a little bit different you know if i'm you know if i'm 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 trying to draw unsportsmanlike uh, like conduct penalty um, rather than like, you know, like a hold. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to run out of, oh, he's holding me and, you know, flop that way. I'm like, man, he's holding me, but I'm still trying to, I, I got to go. I got to get there. Um, pass interference, sure. There's, there. you know, there's, there's like a subtlety to it where, you know, you are, you're trying to aggressively go for the ball, but you also know that, uh, he's trying to pull you down or whatever and you know you're just gonna get that call. If you're if you're one of the upper tier receivers in the league, you're you're gonna get that call. You know, that 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 official, you know, as much as they say, oh, they're unbiased, they're human. They they know who you are. And, you know, Tom Brady got a lot of uh rough and passer calls uh, because he's Tom Brady. Um so they they know who you are and they're gonna make sure that you're going to get every opportunity to catch the football.
0: Yeah, and I know for Odell in particular, his stats don't necessarily jump off the page this year. 14 catches, 162 yards. I know he wants a touchdown. Bad, bad. He really wants one of those. But he is contributing by drawing these penalties. And as you talked about, it gets your team in position to either score or just get down the field in a better manner. But in the Seattle game, Q, it's going to be interesting because I think the receiver group of Odell and Zay Flowers and Rashad Bateman have their work cut out for them. Devon Witherspoon, uh stud rookie for the Seahawks. I'm curious to see if it's rookie on rookie with, with Witherspoon versus Flowers, but they have Quandre Diggs there. Julian Love has played good football for them. They, they have some guys. they not to mention Jamal Adams is kind of their do-it-all safety. And as I talked about earlier in the show, Seattle's pass defense, seventh in the league right now. So I think this is a big game. We talked about offensive consistency. Is the offense due for a breakout what would it mean for the offense if this was the game where you see another Detroit-like performance and you can leave MT Bank Stadium after this game saying they haven't been consistent all season, but when they played two of the top teams in the NFC, boy, did they go
1: out there and show up? So a couple things. I know that um, Seattle traded for the Giants' D.N. Um, Williams, and and I think he's going to help out Seattle. Uh, I forget their pass rusher, but I, I know he wasn't as stout against the run. So, you know, with that said, again, they're retooling themselves. And and I think with Wagner as their, you know, our, our version of, of Roquan, he's he's been very motivating. Like, look, man, we, we got to step up our game and play. I think this is gonna be a, a tough game. I think this is gonna be a really defensive battle. But to your point, you go ahead and and you play well and, and you get a victory against a top opponent like that. That's saying an awful, awful lot. That says that says something uh to your, you know, psychologically to your your next opponent. Um it it says something to you know your confidence going into you know December and January you know November is 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 positioning month you're positioning yourself now from this point forward from from a seating aspect of things and you got three games at home bruh. You, you you take care of business and and what is it uh Seattle then you got what uh is it um Cleveland coming into town and I just think that's 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 where you start to build momentum and and you put yourself in a, in a good position. You could put yourself in a good spot from the overall bigger picture, which we can talk about, but we know Lamar Jackson doesn't want to talk about because against NFC opponents, homeboy's been dominant. But shh, don't say no. No, don't ask
0: Lamar about NFC opponents. You will not get the not get the answer you're looking for. He wants to win. He, he doesn't yeah. care who it is. He, he's going out there. And Q, you mentioned travel. I want to get to that with you in the final part of the show because Baltimore has been flying, and they've been flying a lot recently. So we'll talk about some of that roster analysis, what the Ravens did, or I guess didn't do with the trade deadline, and then getting the final score predictions for the Seattle game, all coming up next on Locked on Ravens. First, this episode is brought to you by DoorDash. And for me, sometimes there are times in the game where it's either a timeout or it's halftime. I want to get up and get something to eat, right? So I go get a snack, but there's a problem. There's nothing there. But with DoorDash, that solves all your issues because you can order from there and they have everything you need. So what maybe you want the game day package, a typical game day, right? So that's pizza, wings, soda, burgers. Or if you want the snack package, you can get chips, dips, nachos. Or maybe you want to get everything you need to make your own nachos. DoorDash has that all. And it can get it delivered to you without missing the game. So you get 50% up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app into code LOCK23. Subject to change. terms apply. Maybe you're a pizza person, right? In the Baltimore area, underground pizza is a great option. If you like sushi, sushi Han is an option. They have all your favorite restaurants and stores, from retail to grocery, they're all in the app so you can shop everything you need to get game day ready. So again, that's 50% off of the $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and end of code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply. Again, don't forget to use the code LOCK23 for 50% off of the $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more, subject to change, terms apply. We're back rounding out Locked on Ravens, Purple Friday Edition. Kevin Allstriker still here with Kadri Ismail And Q, you mentioned the traveling Baltimore went to London in week six. They flew back to Baltimore to play the Lions in week seven. They go to Arizona on the West Coast to play them in week eight. Now they come back to Baltimore to play the Seahawks in week nine. How, how big are some of those big travel stretches where you're either going back and forth between home and away? You got those three game road schedules where you're going to away three straight games. From your playing days, how big was that and how hard was it to kind of
1: adjust to all that travel so traveling is it has gotten better as far as the explanation and and the metrics and the nutritional element of it all and understanding the sleep element of it all so it's 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 certainly gotten a lot better but you're still also talking about guys who you know They're they're high-performing athletes, and when they want to unwind, sometimes they don't make the smartest decision as far as unwinding. And, yes, it can have an adverse effect on your body. I know this. Bro, if you're going out to the club and you're drinking on a Friday thinking you're going to perform well on Sunday, you're fooling yourself. Sometimes, guys, they try to push it, and they try to go ahead and do that. Now, all that being said, I commend this team for, in large part, like they, they stayed focused. They stayed the course and didn't allow themselves to uh, be hurt further by the travel. They didn't allow it to be an excuse and they did take care of business. And I think too, again, you know, what we just talked about in the earlier segment when it came to, Arizona and, and and you know, the play that they had against them, whether it was, you know, um, why wasn't it as dominant as the Detroit Lions game? Why did they make it even closer? Bro, you go ahead and put all that travel in there. Yeah, it, it does have somewhat of an effect. But then I would say and push back and just say that, look, They focused in the way they needed to focus in and they got the job done. And that's, that's saying a lot. That's saying an awful lot as far as just the effect that they uh, have on each other, as far as holding one another accountable and and playing winning football.
0: And I know that, you know, Michael Pierce said he was very happy about this three game home stretch. It, It can, it can affect sleep, can affect performance. It's key. And the fact that they have gone through this and, won three straight games. Hopefully they'll make it four against Seattle. It it does really tell you a lot about what this team is and what their goals are this year. But any opportunity to get Q, it feels like teams should be looking to upgrade their roster. The Ravens certainly looked at the trade deadline, but nothing came to fruition for them. We saw a couple moves, Chase Young going to the 49ers, Montez Sweat to the Bears. You mentioned Leonard Williams to Seattle, which is eerily similar, actually, just a, a quick side tangent. The last time the Ravens played the Seahawks was 2019. Right before that game, the Ravens traded for Marcus Peters. He comes in a few days later, has a, the huge pick six, obviously helps them win that game. Well, now the Seahawks trade for Leonard Williams a few days before their next matchup with the Ravens. Hopefully no big plays from him though. Hopefully Tyron <laughs> Linderbaum, all those guys are able to neutralize him. But were you disappointed the Ravens didn't make a move? Were you okay with them not making a move? What was kind of your takeaway from them not doing anything
1: in the deadline? So from what we've heard um, there, there were uh, rumors that they were in fact in the market and, and, and and trying to aggressively, you know, get a running back, whether it been Josh uh, Jacobs or Derrick Henry and both, teams, you know, whether it be Derrick Henry, obviously the owner pooed it and I guess they were ready to, to make, you know, it happened. But then you also look at um, Jacobs deal. <laughs> it was what was, I think it was Josina Anderson was saying that uh, it, she had a quote of someone saying, well, now we know why um, the Jacobs deal, did go through because everybody was fired. There was nobody to answer the call. Um, I think for Eric Costa, you know, you still have the the people who get released, the, the overall, hey, you know, who can we add, you know, type of a mindset. Obviously, you know, a Leonard Fournette, uh, he's up at the Buffalo Bills now. So, you know, OK, cool. He might not be, but you just don't know. You don't know what, you know, they might be cooking, if you will, as far as like, hey, you know, for example, uh, previous week was in Dominic Sue. There were conversations that the Ravens were talking with him as well. So I think there's still some juggling and some room left to do. It's always kind of interesting to see, but I think as far as a trade, okay, it just didn't happen, and I don't, I don't necessarily see that as I wouldn't view that as a negative.
0: Yeah, I think that look for me. Is it, I guess, a tad disappointing? Sure. I mean, trades are always fun. But in reality, Baltimore, one, did try. And two, this is a six and two football team. They've played pretty well for the most part. It's not like they had to operate at the deadline, as we talked about last week, Q, from a point of desperation where they had to make a move or their season was over. That's not, that's never what it was. And another point that I made, especially after the deadline happened, was that even though a fifth can, not really mean a lot in the grand scheme of things, a fourth maybe, right? If you can upgrade your roster, I would have personally traded those picks if there was a deal on the table, but we have to be realistic about where the Ravens are right now, especially heading into this off season where they're going to need draft picks to get guys on rookie contracts because this is the last year they're going to have the luxury of having a Patrick Queen on a rookie deal, a Justin Matabike on a rookie deal, a Geno Stone on a rookie deal, Kevin Zaitler's a free agent, Michael Pierce, Otto Beckham. So, this is a really important time for them with draft picks because with the Lamar deal now being done, you signed Roquan to a 100 million dollar contract as I mentioned those free agents who you're going to bring back who are you not this team is I think going to have more of a reliance on draft picks now because they have so many so many high money contracts and that can play a part in just who you can bring back and how much you actually need those draft picks in April or May.
1: All those are great points. Uh, looking forward, and and that's something that that's the juggling act. That's where you know salary cap wise, what you are, are thinking. Shoot, you 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 know I, I'm I'm sure there's some uh, generic initial, huh? Who from their college scouting? Who are, are we kind of like seeing out there in the college landscape? Clearly, they did that the previous year with Zay Flowers when they were like, all right, you know, we got to figure things out. And <clears throat> whether it was Rashad Bateman and and Eric Costa going at it on, you know, X or whether it was, uh, you know, clearly as, as the Lamar, you know, Jackson contract was kind of being weird at, at the, at the uh, NFL owners meeting and, and, oh, he's being traded. Oh, and all the other things. The bottom line is, is that, yeah, the, the evaluation process, you know, there are levels and phases to it. And I think right now we're in that where you're right. The, the Geno Stones, the Matabiques of the world, you know, what does is, what is that market look like? Um, their leverage, you know, for them, like the more you win, the, the more other teams are going to covet you. So that's a good thing. <laughs> like, man, we got to keep on winning. Uh, but but at the same time, yeah, you know, shoot, I, I got to figure out um, what exactly things look like without necessarily, you know, just saying this is it because it's it's, it's still fluid. It's still so fluid. Uh, but yes, these are conversations that I, I know are being had.
0: And I know that every team has to balance at the deadline. What are you doing for your team now? What are you doing for your team in the future? It has to be some sort of a balance, and it obviously depends on where you are as a franchise and where Baltimore is as a franchise right now is they are 6-2. and two. They are playing good football for the most part. Again, would I have traded a 4th or a 5th with somebody that could help now? I, I would have pro- probably done it just because you're getting one comp pick this year, I think, is what they're on on tap for and You're probably going to get more if a queen or a Matabike or a stone leaves and it gives you a better shot to win this year. But trading the farm, you know, is, is a little bit would the Ravens ever trade a first round pick for somebody? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> because uh, I think that's just not what they what they do. Even a second got last close year,
1: Roquan, but that yeah. was about it. <laughs> but a second for Roquan was surprising. Like I think it both- was surprising, but oh my god, that was amazing. Like, like, come on, like you're Put it this way, you're you're maybe looking at five hundred without Roquan Smith on your team. You you got the Lamar Jackson factor, but I don't think Patrick Queen is PQ without Roquan. I don't think Kyle Hamilton is balling without Roquan. I don't think. Matabike is kicking some serious butt without Roquan. Um, I don't think Geno Stone is leading the league in interceptions. A high tide, the level of Roquan Smith raises all those ships that I just said. And that, to me, who cares about a second-round pick? How many times... Have you seen first round drive choice be bus? How many times have you, you got something that you just like, you know, is a known solid factor? Oh, celebrate that thing because we always keep, this is, this is so interesting. We always keep looking to the future like, oh my God, this guy, we got one. We got one. Yes, let's celebrate that.
0: And th- th- I think we, we made that point when the trade happened, and especially after it, where yeah, yeah. literally you want your second round pick to be Roquan Smith. Like, if your second round pick is Roquan Smith, you hit, you hit, hit on that pick. So mm-hmm. that that's kind of my mindset. Where, example, the first for a Pat Sertan, you want your first round pick to be what Pat Sertan is. But the the downside of that is, well, Pat Sertan's about to make a hundred million plus on his next contract, and the Ravens have the financials to do that. And keep the majority of their guys. That's that's where the question comes in. So from a draft capital to player perspective, yeah, Pat Sertan for a first round pick. If that were the Denver was never close to dealing I don't want to make it seem like it was, but that's where it makes sense. The issue is that for Baltimore, you have all these big money contracts. Can you afford another one hundred million dollar contract defensively? That's where the questions were to come in. But Q, this Seahawks game is a big one. Honestly, probably. One of their biggest, if not their biggest test this year would be yeah. huge if they picked up one it would be four straight for him, a month of winning, which would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Do you trust the Ravens to go out there, be consistent, maybe have that breakout game offensively? Or do you think it might be a close loss for them where they fight hard, but they can't get the job done?
1: Man, Lamar ain't saying it, but I'm saying it, bruh. He'd just be dominated in the NFC who I'm I'm just saying, let's, let's get the fourth win. Let him get to his 18th win over an NFC opponent. Um, You know, let, let the defense continue to just keep on doing what they do. If you asking me for a prediction, yeah, bro. I'm looking at like, let them put up 27, let them, let them, you know, fight hard and, and give up, you know, 17, 27, 17, uh, I think Gus Edwards, you know, has a, a, a solid, solid first half. And yet at the same time, play action just opens things up. And yeah, there's going to be, you know, occupying of number 89. and Therefore, other guys are going to feast. Man, it's going to be a nice day at the vault. Let's do this.
0: I'm going to say 23 to 19 Ravens pull it out. Close game. Hard fought. But I'm, I've, I've said it the past couple weeks. I'm going to believe this offense can do enough credit to them after those two weeks where the red zone was struggling for the offense. They've been 100% the past two weeks. I think 10 for 10, if I'm not mistaken, in the red zone the past two weeks. So got to control that time of possession. Hasn't really been as big of a factor this year. Baltimore's been efficient with their drives instead of these 10, 11-minute ones. But I'll say that they forced Shino Smith into maybe one too many mistakes that Seattle just can't overcome. And it could just come down to who has the ball last or who gets the last turnover big play in this game. But Q, I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining me next week. Hopefully, this team is seven and two, hopefully atop the AFC by themselves, and <laughs> they'll be able to head into a big divisional matchup on top.
1: Yeah, looking forward to it. I mean, I I just think that they get to seven and two. Look out. I mean, I, I think the the confidence in, in getting to seven and two. Will make that that division opponent second guess themselves. Really, will.
0: Yeah, and for the Ravens, they're in a good position in the North already. Two and one the division. It's going to be key for them. Obviously, NFC losses don't hurt as much as an AFC loss or a divisional one. But with the way that it can go, in with life. yeah, with your mindset, your 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 psyche is you, you just said there. It can have an impact. So a big win could take them over the top. A loss could have them questioning something. So we'll see what they do. But Q, I appreciate you again. Thanks so much. Let me get back here on Sunday after the game on Lockdown Ravens. We will be breaking down everything that happened in that contest. So be sure to stay tuned. I'll see you right back here then on Lockdown Ravens.